we edit this in? That <laughs> Oasis, uh, Spice Girl. There was a hoot, Tom Jones. We met them all out backstage because we had to go to the rehearsals the night before. Yeah. This is bizarre. We were playing on the Sunday against Warrington, and it was Alfie Langer's first game for Warrington. Huge and they game. Had Andrew G, Twira Nick Howe. They had all these. The Thursday night, we weren't training. We, we were doing rehearsals, doing rehearsals with Queen and a group called Five and Meet and the Spice Girls and Natalie Ambrulio and Tom Jones, Will Smith. Uh, <laughs> bizarre. Then on the Friday night, we were performing. So the the, the, the week's prep for the opening round of the Did Super Did you get League, pumped? Warrington pumped. We got beaten with like 40 points to 16 or something like that. Some of the best learning you will ever do will be travelling. Give yourself space, time to creatively think, to learn, to meet people, or take a vacation with your family. Give yourself that time. And there's no better person or people or company to help you than the people at Tripadeal. Their experienced agents will look after you from start to finish. They will plan your flights, your accommodation, your car, your excursions, whatever you need. If you want to plan a trip of a lifetime, Tripadeal is the place to go. Tripadeal.com.au Anthony Seabold, thanks so much for your time. Um, when I introduce you to this camera, I don't really, over the years, we've worked in the same industry and I've never really got to know you, but first impression, mate, when you gave me your time in England, you were working with the England Rugby Union team. You're an assistant coach, one of the biggest organisations in the world. It was busy, it was hectic. And you gave me and my son your time that I was like, I have to get you on this podcast. I have to. And then I've bumped you again and said, are well, you ever keen on jumping on the podcast? And you said to me, any time. I don't know. I don't know how to get that across to the listeners, but giving your time is something that's not too hard for the people listening. It's not hard to give you time, but you're one of the most busiest people I know, and, and you just said any time. Where did that come from, mate? Why did you give me your time that day? Um, well, in England, um, you know, I've got uh, great respect for, for you as a person and your career, as you said. I think down to the other time I sort of met you uh, for any length of time was at a um, it was a professional development opportunity over at the Sydney University there one time. And um, I know going into environments, when you go into some environments um, where you're looking to do some professional development and see what others do, sometimes you get left in the corner a little bit and uh, you know, I'm one to be really... Uh, you know, cognizant around that space and make sure that people feel included. And I think um, I'm a big believer in how you treat others is is um, is important. So, um, you know, it was great having yourself and, and your son with us. Um, and you're right, England Rugby Union is a massive organisation. People here within the National Rugby League or the AFL um, competitions wouldn't understand how big it is over there. But it was great having you visit. And I love people who want to learn and want to go into other environments. So um, it was great to, to host you there that day. Well, that's the first time I've ever introed a show like that. I just wanted to see where that would go. Because it seems like it's it's a part of you that I'm sure we're going to find out in your influences. Like giving your time is, is a, such a valuable trait of any leader. Like I think about some some people that have given me their time over the years and there's little lessons that I've learned that 
I'll take with me forever, but I'll also pass on. Um, and I'm talking some of the best leaders in world sport. I, I, I picture the times where I've met them and then they've given me that time like you did, mate. So I really appreciate that, appreciate that and I appreciate you on this show. This show is to help coaches, teachers, athletes, trainers, parents that are listening. So every question we go down uh, is how can we help the listener? And I know that's in you, mate. I know you're, you're an educator, you're a teacher, you're a coach. Why do you coach? What, what do you love about coaching? Well, it's a really noble vocation. I think, um, you know, being a resource to others or being, um, you know, in a position to be able to help others. And, and you've been in this position, mate. Um, it's a unique profession. We get the opportunity, um, on a yearly basis or a weekly basis to, um, give some young men, um, like an opportunity to live out their dream. Yeah, for a lot of the guys that we coach or that you've coached in your career um, have wanted to play in the NRL or represent the Blues or represent the Queensland State of Origin team or the Kangaroos or whatever it is uh, since they're little boys. So we're actually in a position to help people um, get better, grow, uh, not just on the field but off the field and help people achieve their goals is something that you don't get in every single location. So I always describe myself as a a servant to the players, um, a resource to the players. And uh, I think um, when I've seen some of the really elite guys like Craig Bellamy and Eddie Jones, who are the two best coaches I've worked for, I see uh, a similar philosophy, you know, being a servant to the players, a resource to the players. So that's why I coach. That's clear when I've watched you coach. And I think you've just mentioned two names that I should stick out. I should stay there for a second in this conversation. What are some characteristics of Craig Bellamy that you learned that may help a listener who's watching this show right now? Well, the two things that stood out um, about Baliak working for him was um, how thorough he is with his work um, and his work ethic. You know, his attention to details, work ethic was second to none. So they're two things that stood out. But the biggest thing I always got from Baliak was how much he cares about his people. And an example was when my middle daughter was crook one time. We were actually playing Penrith in Sydney. Uh, it was a Monday night game. Got a phone call on the Tuesday morning that she had fainted, hit her head and had a fit and she was in hospital. So uh, I remember Frank Panisi organising for me. Frank's the general manager of, of football there. Organised an early flight home. Well, the first person to run me that night was was Baliak and said, look, man, there's no need to come in tomorrow. You stay up there with, with your daughter. Uh, and I just thought, like, there was a million things run around in his head, I'm sure, because we had a short turnaround. We'd just beaten Penrith the night before. All the things that come with being a head coach. And you talk about giving people their time and little things being big things. I just thought that phone call simply summed him up. You know, he cared about his people. And that made me want to work harder. Like, I've worked hard for him. But I just, I, he wanted to go the extra mile. And in the business world, they call that discretionary effort. But that's how he made me feel. I wanted to work extra hard for him because I thought he was just a special bloke. Um, and it's quite interesting getting a little bit emotional talking about him because I don't necessarily keep in contact with Bella. Every time I see him, I love seeing him. Um, but he was just a special person. And I think um, that's why he's had such success um, over a long period of time. It's his care for his people. Mate, hey, emotion's cool. We love emotion on this show. But... Um, you just mentioned also business people that there, there are some business people who have started giving some feedback to the show, especially in and around learning from leaders like yourself. So 
that there alone is a lesson to anybody, no matter what age they're coaching or no matter what business they're running, is is that little care piece that I think on the big day, on the big day in our game, players have to love you. Players want to win for you. Players want to run through a brick wall for you. And But the same in the business space. You just said it. What do you call that? Well, discretionary effort. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so it's hard to measure. Like they talk about in the business world, five, that five to 10% discretionary effort. So as an example, you know, if you're starting times, you know, nine o'clock where you're, you're clock on for work and you're in there at eight o'clock because you want to, uh, you know, go that extra mile for your boss or your peers, um, or you stay back to finish a project or a job or whatever it is, you know, after the, the, uh, the five o'clock, um, you know, um, end of the working day sort of comes around. So there's a lot in that, but I just saw it firsthand. Um, as I said, like incredible work ethic, thorough, you know, from an attention to detail point of view, but biggest thing I took away was just, um, how much he cared. You'd work for him tomorrow. Well, well, you won't now, but you would. You love working for him. Yeah, and I loved it. And uh, people might say, well, you moved away from him. But I, I had um, three and a half years there, and it was, it was outstanding. But it was time to, to go and look at how other people did it. You know, I was really yeah. curious at the time. But, um, yeah, it just is a fantastic period uh, in my coaching career. That's great. So you also, I mean, for the listeners that aren't rugby league followers, one of the most successful coaches ever we're talking about there. Craig Bellamy, you, you've mentioned Eddie Jones. So you spent time with Eddie Jones in the England camp. Did you know Eddie before this? I, I met Eddie in 2016, um, sorry, um, 2017. And um, he came into South Sydney. I was coaching at South at the time. Um, not long after that, I took over and he was back for Christmas. And we had three or four hours just talking about different ideas. Love South Sydney, loves the bunnies, yeah. So we actually went to a coffee shop in Coogee. Um, sat there for hours, like just talking footy, coaching, um, all sorts of stuff. And we built up a really good connection off that one conversation. And we just stayed in touch that whole next year. So that was in 2017. The next year I was coaching and we had um, some, some success. There was one stage there. We won 12 from 14 games. We um, made our way to a preliminary final. So he was always intrigued about, you know, the improvement from coming 12th the previous year to finishing third and making a prelim. So we were always in constant contact. And then when I went to Brisbane, he stayed in contact. Um, so it was sort of almost like I felt as though he was a mentor, you know. Um, in some ways, he was always checking in with me and really curious about what I was doing uh, and, and me to him. Um, and then when I went through a really challenging time in 2020, finish up the Broncos and around, I don't know, mid-August, something like that. And he was the first person to give me an opportunity to do some work. So he reached out to me and said, mate, I'd love for you to do some scouting, uh, watching opposition teams. You know, you're outside our bubble over here in England. Uh, so we'll get our analysts to send you stuff, value your, your coach's eye. And that's sort of how I developed. And then I ended up working for him uh, full-time for 20 months, like back and forth to England, which was the most extraordinary uh, coaching experience in, in my um, career uh, today. And he's an elite coach. Um, and his traits around you know, being a servant to the players, being curious, um, critical thinking, those types of things. Oh, I've never seen anybody uh, better or, or anybody like that. And... You know, he's back home in Australia coaching uh, the Wallabies. And I think that's incredible appointment. And I'm really excited 
uh, as a supporter to see what they can do under Eddie. And I just know that they're going to see significant improvement, or I'm very confident they'll see significant improvement. Uh, but I reckon he really reignited my love for coaching. And yeah, it reignited my love for coaching, reignited um, that curiosity uh, in me to try and be the best coach I can be, but also going back to my original point of being a resource for others or trying to serve others, I just saw that in him and he's got fantastically high standards and you would have seen a training session is run like, um, you know, as good as you'll see. So um, those two guys have had significant influences on me in, in different ways, but um, I couldn't speak more highly of, of either of them. Can I tell you, let's go back about giving you time. I'll tell you my experience with Eddie. So I'd bumped in Eddie 20 years ago when he would come and visit. He, he seems like a lifelong learner. He's just, every conversation I find he's trying to learn the same. I know he knows he's giving, but I, he's always learning. So this is a long time ago, Parramatta Eels, early 2000s. Then I was at the Roosters and I bumped into him there. He's come to watch training. And then again, a servant, like his book on leadership, he's, he's helping people all around the world. So. So I was walking through a national park, listening to his book on leadership. And I was like, you know what? I, I want to meet up again. Like it's been so many years. I want to meet up again. So I messaged Brian Smith, who used to be in touch with him. Brian, you still have a contact for Eddie. I emailed Eddie. It would have been 4.30 in the morning in England. I'm in the middle of a national park. Eddie, just in the middle of your book. Five minutes later, he writes back. Five minutes later. He says, welcome anytime, come into camp. That's when I met you. And, and then, but I found that amazing for, for a guy that's so busy like him to be able to reply straight back, welcome me into camp. And then since then, I've only caught up with him a week ago, a bit like this, not recorded, but, but just a chat. And I always find he's still learning, always learning. And I just find him a remarkable person to give his time like that. And you just mentioned where he had your back during a tough time. There's no wonder why you mentioned Craig Bellamy, who had your back during this tough moment in your life and obviously supported you and guided you. But there's no, there's, there's no coincidence that you mentioned Eddie Jones. He had your back during a tough time. Do you mind telling me that tough time? Can we go there a little bit? Like, cause there's coaches listening that it's a roller coaster. Um, what, I mean, there's been lots written about your time in Brisbane and, and I'm not sitting here as a journalist. I'm sitting here as someone trying to help people. Um, you'll inspire people with this, but where could we go with this chat around that tough time to then when Eddie had you back to then reinvigorating your love, when you said that kind of tells me that you lost the love of it. Did you? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I certainly did. Well, he was an extremely um, challenging coaching experience um, in 2020 in the Bronx. Uh, you know, I spoke about it before. Um, you know, the rally of it is, you know, it was two years into a um, six-year deal. It's a nice deal. Yeah, <laughs> it's a long-term deal. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, and the rally of it is, I just knew the time was up there, you know, and... Um, I had a great relationship with the chairman there, Carl Morris, the CEO at the time, Paul White. And I just said, look, it's, it, you know, this, this isn't working. Um, and 
off the back of that experience, uh, there's a lot of negativity attached. There's, you know, so many things went on, which, which, you know, don't really sort of want to go into, but the reality of it was, uh, I, um, I resigned and did a media conference. The next day I jumped on a flight to my mates from school, two of my best mates from school out, um, central Queensland in the middle of nowhere, cattle property went mustering for four or five days and that was that was really good i just needed that i needed to get the people who really knew me and uh we're here talking about footy i'm i'm doing work on the farm right so that was really good but when i come back from that uh it was just like nothing if that makes sense so just like when the girls were going to school my wife was working um and i just you know i, I would you know I, I was sort of in a in, in a place where you know, I just had a lot of, I suppose, negative um, thoughts and self-talk was, was really critical. And uh, it was actually Gus Gould who called me and he had checked up on me a few times. Um, and he just said, have you taken the kids to school? And I said, no. This is about two or three weeks after I'd finished at Brizzy. And uh, I was feeling sorry for myself a bit, you know. And... Um, he said, have you taken your wife for brekkie or coffee? And I said, no. Nah. And he said, mate, he said, um, you know, stop hiding behind the curtain. So hold your head up high. He said, you're a good coach. You know, you're a good person. He said, I know this has been challenging and, and it didn't work out. He said, but you need to drop your kids to school tomorrow and you need to take your wife for a coffee. And I just thought that punched me in the nose because I stopped sort of feeling sorry for myself. And you know what? This didn't go well. It was extremely hard because there was also some stuff going on at social media at the time. Um, but I did. And it was the best bit of advice um, for me to, you know, I suppose, go back to a coffee shop and not think everyone's sort of talking about you because you're not only on the back page, you're on the front page for whatever reasons. And um, yeah, I just thought, what a bit of wisdom to get from someone like Gus. And as I said, we didn't know each other particularly well. Um, I'd spoken to him on the phone a number of times because he'd always sort of checked in and I'd been over his house when I came to Sydney and it was fantastic talking to footy. He probably doesn't understand uh, what he actually did for me. And I've, I went and thanked him when I saw him. I've only seen him once in person since and I grabbed him from behind and said, mate, that conversation really um, turned things around. Not my love of coaching, but just as far as my um, perspective and uh, and yeah about a week later we thought you know what we want to move back to Sydney and um, as I said Eddie gave me an opportunity to, to, to do some consulting for him initially before coming on full time and I did some mentoring with um, the coaching staff and the nights in between that stuff um, and just slowly my sort of as I said you know slowly my sort of want to be a coach um, emerge and then as I said Eddie offered me the full-time role there as like a senior assistant coach with England and I took that and it was the it's been the best coaching experience in my, my career uh, different country different code and um, I loved it but it was extremely challenging and extremely extremely challenging um, because uh, I'd never expected as a coach to have those feelings or, you know, have to go through that. And, uh, but it certainly put a lot of perspective on things. You've got through it. Yeah. Yeah. Did, did you ever think about 
that's it. No more coaching. Um, it, yeah, no, I mean, I had all sorts of thoughts as far as like, um, well, I'm never going to get the opportunity to be a head coach again because I felt as though, um, yeah, my reputation had been, uh, you know, um, hurt in some ways. Um, you know, I saw the failure and I did. Like, there was a shitload of mistakes that I made, um, you know, coaching Brisbane. Um, but, yeah, and then emotions were sort of up and down. Yeah, I do want to coach if they want to coach. Um, but one thing I thought was when I went in with Eddie, I wasn't going to dip the toe in. Um, I sort of took a, a 12 months out of coaching, so to speak. I was doing, as I said, I was a coach mentor with the Knights. I'd go up there one or two days a week. When they went into the bubble, I actually did go up there for eight weeks with them and actually got back on the tools of coaching on the grass. But that was because they had limited staff and, and Adam sort of, you know, Adam O'Brien is someone who, um, you know, I worked with in Melbourne. So I, you know, I wanted to do, um, you know, that to try and help them out. Um, but when I went to England, I just thought, I'm not going to dip the toe in. I'm, I'm diving all the way in. I'm going to learn about the game. I'm going to learn about the, the history of England rugby. Um, uh, and it just provided me with a fantastic opportunity. And um, we toured Australia, you know, played against the Wallabies in the three-test series, which is unique, you know, like just coaching against your home country, listening to the anthems, but getting a result, uh, winning the um, Mobs trophy was something special for, for myself, at being an Aussie and um, touring here. And I reckon that sort of re- yeah, all those little experiences, all that experience reignited really my love for coaching. And then the coaching role, uh, you know, at Manly was presented to me. So it's sort of interesting how life sort of works out. Um, but yeah, it's, oh, I don't think I'd be the person I am today or the coach that I want to be or the coach I feel like I am on my way to being if I hadn't gone through that. Okay, there's something, there's some gold in there, if I can dig a dip, bit a bit deeper. Because you mentioned, far, there was so much stuff you just said that I need to dig deeper on. But, but the person you are now, the coach you'll become, has become from going through that hard time, which if, if I take you back a bit, you said you did make mistakes at Brisbane. When you say that, I mean, you don't have to go through all the detail on that, but what did you learn? What, why do you think you felt like you failed at Brisbane? Um, well, I think, yeah, there were, were some, some challenges in and around where the club was, was at. Um, yeah, we had a particularly young roster, which was exciting, um, which was great. And um, we probably had um, a lot of outside noise that was really challenging for everybody in the building to, to deal with. Including yourself, yeah, including myself. But because uh, what I've loved about this is you, you've you've actually just said because you've obviously taken time to reflect on it, which now you are going to be way better for it. Yeah, I think you know. There's without going into to real detail around the m- mistakes. I think one of the biggest things that um, I learned was uh, it's all about the people. It's all about connection. Uh, less about the X's and the O's around the people you put around you, like filling in the gaps around you, yeah. uh, you know, as a head coach, I think that is just super important who you've got around you. Um, gut feel. Uh, yeah. Like this decision-making, they're all different things that I made mistakes in and around at different 
period of time, um, how um, it went about, like going from South to, to Brisbane. There, there was a heap of things that um, I would do differently or not do or whatever it is. But the reality of it is, that was a decision I made um, and it didn't work. I tell you where I feel, I don't even know how you're going here with your new role. You just said it's more about the people, the connection, which is in you. That's what you're, you're a servant leader. That's what you are. Not about the X's and O's as much, but I think what you bring, you know, all the X's and O's plus you realize you're going to value a bit more on that, that space as well. There, that's some real lessons there. You, you, you then went on to, um, talk about the pressure of the media now. Most coaches handle that, players handle it, but we're still human. When it affects your family, it's different, right? Because yeah. I've been through a bit yeah. myself, yeah, similar. When it affects your family, it becomes a different story. Yeah. Was that a big part of it? Yeah, definitely. I think um, that you can handle it yourself. Like, you know, the reality of it is, like, there's going to there's going to be uh, negativity around results or around your coaching performance. Um, there's going to be positivity around results and performance and so on. So it's, it's, it's a roller coaster, and that's the, that's the reality. And, um, you know, you, you can't, you can't take it personally. Sometimes you do, but like you've got to like reflect, go, look, it's not, everyone's got a job to do right. Um, in the game, I reckon one thing that I did learn from my time out of the NRL is I did some work in the media and just just learning to, the perspective of the media, you know, and understanding what their role is in, in uh, you know, our sport or, or, or all sports. And um, I think that certainly was, there was some, you know, really valuable sort of learnings even doing that as a coach. You know, I did some, some radio work, some, some TV work, and, and that was, um, as I said, a fantastic learning curve because you get to see things from a different perspective. Um, so yeah, I just think, um, and you've heard people say this, but you know, and that's probably why people are Wayne Bound and so on are so successful for, for, for so long. And I went back to Bellyache and what I learned from him, you know, about, you know, caring for his people. And I think that's, it's always been a trait of mine, but for whatever reason, um, it didn't quite work at Brizzy and, um, you know, it's certainly been number one priority for, um, me back in the the chair of being a head coach, like being on connection within the group, um, having that, uh, you know, everybody, whether it's player one to player 36 or the head coach to, um, you know, the person who um, is most junior on our staff, that they feel like they belong. So you've got to spend time in it. It's easy to say, it's harder to do, but you've got to invest time in it. Um, I think there's, you know, for our, you know, coaches and, and performance coaches who listen to this or, or watch this, um, you know, that'd be something that I'd encourage them to think about. Uh, actually making that as part of, we've always spoke about, um, and Eddie spoke about this lots when I first met him, it's about an integrated approach. Like the fancy word for it is tactical periodization, right? But essentially it's just a fancy word to, um, you know, integrating the, the physical side of things the tactical side of things, the technical side of things, and the mental side of things. It's it's essentially um, integrating those four things into uh, what you do, you know, so there's no silos and so on. 
I reckon the fifth one though is the the belonging or the togetherness. Well, that's where I um, that's where I feel we connected yeah. because we believe in the same. Yeah. And Eddie was the same. Eddie talks about the holistic yeah. approach to coaching. I I look at I've held positions where the fancy title is head of performance performance, but for me to perform on the field, physically, mentally, technically, tactically cohesion the, the culture the values the shared values and and that that connection piece if you think back any of the best teams you've ever watched or been involved with the best teams i've been involved with the most connected team wins yeah yeah well the, the most connected team wins yeah and and when i again if there's listeners that are maybe starting a career in that path like if if we could accelerate their career by saying invest in this piece now and the other stuff will still be there you've got to care about everything but investing this piece now it just may be that little bit of magic um but invest in it like you said it's easy it's easy to say everyone knows you only have to watch a grand final and the grand final speech they're calling each other family because they're connected Every every winning team each year is the most connected team. But investing time into it is is the key that I hope listeners are getting. You mentioned Wayne Bennett there. Did you ever work with Wayne? Uh, no, I didn't. No, no, I was a young player at the Broncos back in the early nineties. Yeah, okay. yeah. He, he's been a big influence on me, and he cares about his players. So there's no wonder that he's still. 30, 30 years later, still got players love him. Yeah. Uh, other coaches you think about around the world, like Alex Ferguson, 25 plus years in the one place, because they love him. You know, the, that that piece where a lot of us are thinking X's and O's, that piece is a big is a big piece. I just worked with Ronald Griffiths for a week and then in an Indigenous camp. He loves his players. He cares deeply about their culture and their values and their players love him back. And I think he's going to make a great head coach. Well, that would have been a fantastic experience, spending a week with the you know, Indigenous All-Star team. I mean, um, you know, the, when you talk about brotherhood and the, and the, the culture, uh, like, yeah, the significance of, of their culture on our country. Um, yeah, no, fantastic experience for it was, mate. I um, I always felt I got on really well with Indigenous players during my career. But now I'll advise any person, any coach, any trainer to just dig a little deeper and learn a little bit more about their culture because that will only help you coach them. Um, but, yeah, very special. We'll do another whole episode on, on that one. But, again, I've... I have worked with the Kiwi team before. Similar to you, listening to opposing anthems was quite interesting. The first time in a back stadium, being an Australian and singing the Kiwi anthem like you were with England. In fact, my father's used to get me up and sing God Save the Queen. He's my father's English. And I remember one night where I felt like singing God Save the Queen because we were playing against England. But it was So I was very mixed up. I had Kiwi, Aussie, England and... So you're there singing the English anthem against Australia. That must have been special. Do you have English in you? Um, yeah, we've got um, some English heritage, yeah, we do. Um, because you played over there, right? Yeah, I did. I played over in the Super League. Um, 
for London Broncos uh, when Richard Branson owned the club. And then I played for um, Hulk, Hulk Kingston Rovers, Hulk KR, which is based up in the north. And Mel Reilly, um, who's a legendary English player, English coach, he was my coach at um, Hulk KR. So that was pretty special because he'd already won a premiership as Newcastle's coach. Yeah. Um, and, and he made me captain, which was special to be um, that um, at such a... I never knew that, captain of Hulk KR. Yeah, 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 in the early 2000s, which was... Fantastic experience in the north of England, uh, but loved my time with London Broncos as well because it was a different experience. Rugby league's not big in the south, but we played out of the Stoop, which is where Harlequins Rugby Union play out of. So there was a really good buzz around that part of, of West London. Is there a Richard Branson story in and amongst? Yeah, Richard Branson story, yeah. Richard Branson stories. <laughs> yes. Richard, if you're watching, you're welcome on the show. He gave us all a mobile phone back in 1999 for Christmas. And it was a, it was a Virgin mobile phone with about 500 quid of, of uh, you know, credits in those days, which is incredible because it, it was only sort of two or three years early that mobile phones became like commonplace for people. I remember... Um, yeah, so that was something big, you know, and, and he sent a little Christmas message to um, every player and staff member in, in the team. Um, but the most, uh, well, the two funny stories are he, he organised for about eight or nine of us from the London Broncos to appear at the Brit Awards. Now, the Brit Awards for people um, listening or watching is the biggest um, uh, music awards show in, uh, well, one of the biggest in the world, but it's certainly the biggest in Europe. And... We opened, like myself, Sean Edwards, who's a famous um, British captain and now coach, um, guys like Shane Millard was there. But we opened, we were on stage banging drums for Queen um, as they opened the Brit Awards in the year 2000, which is a long time ago now. Um, there was a re-release of their hit song, We Will Rock You. And and we're on stage in front of 40-odd thousand people and all like... like Can we edit this in? That Oasis... <laughs> um, the Spice Girl, there was a Tom Jones. We met them all out backstage because we had to go to the rehearsals the night before. Yeah. It was bizarre. We were playing on the Sunday against Warrington and it was Alfie Langer's first game for Warrington. Huge and they game. had Andrew G, Twira Nick Gow, they had all these. The Thursday night, we weren't training. We, we were doing rehearsals, rehearsals with Queen and a group called Five and mm. meeting the Spice Girls and Natalie Ambrulio and Tom Jones, Will Smith. Uh, <laughs> bizarre. Then on the Friday night, we were performing. So the the, the, the week's prep for the opening round of the Did Super League. Did you get League, pumped? Warrington pumped. We got beaten with like 40 points to 16 or something like that. And I don't feel that. Yeah. But the funny thing was this, right? So we were wearing these. So, so Richard did it to promote the the brand, you know, yeah. London Broncos brand. So he let Genius. everyone know, you know, these players, these eight or 10 players are, are up on stage. with Because it's a big thing, right? Like yeah. Queen are one of the world's yeah. all-time, you know. Well, not many... NRL coaches can see you saying they've performed with so Queen. So bizarre. But we're in these karate outfits of all things. And Sean Edwards, who was the Great Britain Rugby League captain. The vision of this? Uh, there is a little bit, yeah. was the Great Britain captain. And he's walking through. So he was married to a lady called Heather Small, who was from N people. Right. I know this is all coaching topic. No, I but, love it. But um, Heather Small, so he knew all the celebrities. He's walking past, so there's about eight or ten of us walking past, and, and Gizzy's in I mean, Sean was working, uh, wasn't walking uh, first. And this voice comes, go, Sean, what the hell are you dressed up like that for? And it was Robbie Williams, right? 
because he knew Sean, like, you know, because Sean was like a celebrity over there, but yeah. he saw him walk around this karate outfit. Karate too. In, yeah, in the in the back, you know, in the back where all the celebrities were hanging out. We were walking through the crowd. Yeah. And he's gone, oh, these are all my boys from London Broncos. And he's gone, how are you boys? And so we met Robbie Williams. So that was one, th- you know, that stuff like that, Richard Branson would organize quite often. So there was a couple of other different things, which I won't go into, but he organized all sorts of stuff for us. Um, and it's pretty cool. It was, it was pretty funny. It's a real experience leading up to round one. I can't imagine the boys here preparing no. for a, a round one game by oh, doing wow. rehearsals and performing at the Brit Awards. Uh, I forgot Richard Branson and that team. Well, no, no. Um, entertaining. Well, let's get Richard Branson. What an amazing person. Wow. So you never met him? We did, yeah. And you I did? met Richard. I met, met him about three times. Um, yeah. It was interesting. Um, at the time, I read his... Uh, book which was losing I was about to say most players would have gone yeah hi Richard you're different you're a lifelong learner I'm positive you tried to learn something from him so you read his book yeah read his book before you met him because I was I was playing the camp and I signed for London and Richard Branson was the owner so I bought his book because I just thought um, obviously he was uh, you know well well renowned business person but just understanding where he came from and he came from he started um, doing these, um, almost like uh, music magazines. That's yeah. where he started in. Yeah. And he, you know, so just reading his story was fascinating. And then to spend, you know, a little bit of time with him on a few different occasions, uh, it was actually funny. I, I, I missed out on the Challenge Cup final. Um, I wasn't allowed to play because um, of being cup tied, which means you, know, you, you know, were suspended. So, yeah. Um, and I was quite disappointed because you play at Wembley Stadium in front of 90-odd thousand people. So I missed the game. Yeah. And uh, he spoke to me about that. He said, I bet you're disappointed. He said, but there's two ways that you can go about this. He said, um, you can either kick stones this week. This is what he said. And you can either kick stones this week or you can do all you can to support your mates to try and get a win on Saturday. And I just thought, you know, what a way to, you know, because I was like, I was thinking, yeah, you know, I can't play in this incredible stadium in front of 92,000 people. And he just sort of said that uh, he come down on the Thursday night or the Wednesday night before the game and come up to me in the shed. He said, oh, you can't play, can you? You know, and I just thought, you know, what a fantastic bit of advice. So, yeah. It was a bit of wisdom there. How good is wisdom from an older person? I mean, it's. He gave you the same advice Gus Gould gave you when he rang you. He said, you can kick stones or you can a get little out. Bit, just you know, a different way of saying it. One way. was don't hide behind the curtains. And then the other one was essentially what he was saying. You can either be a good teammate yeah. and, and get behind the boys or you can feel sorry for yourself. Uh, it was interesting. Like he That's led the team great out. great coaching he, advice. It was, wasn't it? Didn't he actually led the team out with his son. His son was the one who had the passion for rugby league from what I understand. And All right. His son was 13 at the time, and um, Richard led out, and Sean Edwards was in behind. Um, and I think after that, he'd achieved what he wanted, because he wanted us an experience for his son, from my understanding. Um, and he only owned the club for one more year after that, but I think he achieved what he wanted to. He got oh, him to Wembley. You know, so Richard Branson's leading London Broncos out of Wembley as chairman. Legend. Had his son beside him, yeah. Sean Edwards, who was a famous international player behind him, and on to the next on well, the next his son now we find no, no, to be fair yeah and no, i don't know i've often thought of that but it was his passion for rugby league he'd apparently seen it on telly and had a passion for it and then he spoke to his dad and then as Imagine rich people do, as, playing, rich, as rich people yeah, do, right. they're able to 
to buy the club. But um, yeah, it was a good time. Like Tony Ray was the CEO. Who Tony was a ex um, uh, Winfield Cup player back yeah. in the, yeah. the late 80s and 90s. Um, but yeah, it was a good time. And, and I, I learned a lot. Yeah. Mate, well, there's a great lesson we've just shared. Someone is going. Someone listening is going to have a kid that misses a game, and he's going to go and give him Richard Branson's advice. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was. It was bang to the point. Mm. It wasn't a long conversation. I thought you were going to say that you sat with him in the box and no. you met someone else and no, no, no. Met the um, Queen. He, and, he was very no. generous with his time. He, he came and. and um, Met all our partners, you know, which Did was he? a thrill for for all the girls and so on. But yeah. um, that was that was one. I had two conversations with him, and that was as they were both brief. And that was one of the times I I did uh, did meet him. So, mate, we've gone over some lessons from Gus Gould, great yeah. wisdom. We've lessons from Eddie, lessons from Bellamy, Craig Bellamy, lessons from Richard Branson. Is there any other influences in you, even way back, yeah. like even as a kid? that we should should share? Yeah, well, I had um, a couple of teachers who really, um, I suppose, encouraged me to um, study and, and, and play sport. I played a lot of sport. I played a heap of rugby league and cricket as a kid. Um, and so Paul Bunn, who actually has worked for the Storm and the Broncos, he was my sports master at my boarding school. Um, you may have even come across Bunny over the journey, but um, he, he really encouraged me. Um, he the you know academic pursuit and also the, the footy uh, side of things. And I had two primary school teachers, Colin Marinan, who played for Queensland when I was a young kid. Um, in 1980, he played for Queensland from Rocky Brothers, which was very unusual. Yeah. And, and a teacher called Kara Bendel. They had uh, enormous influence in um, in yeah in my my schooling and and my footy. But there was one person who worked for another person who worked for Brisbane Broncos for ten years. His name is John Dixon, and uh, he was really influential in, in the careers of guys like, um, you know, Sean Berrigan, and Lottie Takiri, um, Brad Myers, Dane Carble, all those guys who came through the back end of the nineties into the two thousands. John had 10 years as the skills, skill development coach at Broncos and Wayne, from my understanding, hired him because of, he was a school teacher yeah. and he just taught, you know, the fundamentals of the game. Yeah. He was exceptional at that. And, um, he was the first coach I worked for. Um, so when I came back from playing overseas, I went in with and helped the Clydesdales, who were the Broncos Queensland Cup side. Yeah. Um, so had all the young guys like um, uh, Barrett Barnes, um, Greg Eastwood, Sam Thiday, Nev Costigan, Tom Leroy Lars, all playing in that team. And I helped John that year. And um, and then he went over to England, the coach, and I went over and that's my first professional coaching job over in England with John. Right. So he had an enormous... Um, influence on me regarding how important the fundamentals, you know, and I know we spoke about the, you know, the person and all that, yeah, but how important win. teaching is and how important yeah. teaching young players the fundamentals. And that's one thing that I've been really passionate about, like, you know, the guys who I coach here or the other clubs I've coached at. Yeah. Um, I've been really passionate about having someone on staff who, um, you know, coaches, the, yeah. the basic fundamentals yes, of the yes, game, yes. you know, like catch and pass, mm. you know, tackle technique, all the things that, yeah, it's funny. I um, so a big influence on me was Brian Smith. Yeah, who, who fundamentals and again school teacher. Yeah, but the fundamentals, uh, I find. I don't know if you find. Well, obviously you value it because you make sure someone's on yeah. staff doing it. I find all the other sports, which which I've um, 
I, someone's told me you have as well. I wouldn't mind going there. All the other sports I've been involved with or learned from or try to learn from or even the influence of my own father is track and field coach. And the detail and the fundamentals that you have to master in a lot of sports yeah. sometimes get glossed over in rugby league. Yeah. But if you actually go back to the best teams, they do the fundamentals the best. The same way we said the most connected team wins, but it's the same. The okay. team that does the fundamentals the best wins. And huh. and Brian Smith, for me, was a genius in that space. A genius in that space that I think that's why he employed me in the first place. Yeah. Because he knew I was on that, that track and field influence yeah. is very similar, how they think. Um, but it's it's great that you... You had the same similar person in yeah. your life. Yeah. No, similar person. I mean, you know, for Wayne to have John Dixon on the staff for 10 years, like that's a decade of the Broncos. Yeah. And the amount of players he brought through. But we, we, we have a brilliant basic stay each week here um, at the club. I saw it that and, day. And um, yeah, you saw mm. a brilliant basic mm. stay. And, and it is about being really good at the basic fundamentals of our game. And sometimes it gets glossed over for the strategy side of things. Yeah. Like I said before, that integrated approach is really important to me. Um, yeah. It's interesting. Uh, you know, Shane Flanagan's a great sounding board for me on staff. He, you know, he's a premiership winning coach. And, and we often talk about Brian Smith and the influence that Brian had on Flano. Flano was there. That's right. He was a yeah. young coach there. Yes, And just was. the thing that he took away was around the, the being brilliant at the basics or yes. the basic fundamentals. And, um, yeah, we often have conversations about how important it is. And, That's great. I, I love how you've even put a word to a brilliant at the basics. My kids, uh, I've started helping my son's team. I coach a 15-year-old boys team and a 17-year-old girls team, um, which is another topic, coaching your own kids. I can kids. imagine. I can coach imagine your own that. kids. But I hope the kids don't get sick of me saying it. I say to them all the time, we let's fall in love with the fundamentals. Yeah. And I've got this group of kids that are loving fundamentals. And if, if they fall in love with it, if they love it as much as we love it, yeah. uh, I can see where a lot of them are yeah. going to go. But, um, yeah, you've got brilliant at the basics. I say fall in love with the yeah. fundamentals, yeah. you know. Um, but it's funny. We have very similar in, uh, influences there. Other sure. sports. What other sports yeah. have you made an effort to learn from yeah. or be involved Biggest with? Well, that's sort of rugby union, right? So I went and worked at rugby union. Um, oh, yeah. and, and Eddie was really influential before that. So I've got I, I've, I've got great connections in, in rugby union. Um, you know, Dan McCullough, who was the Brumbies head coach, and now with the Wallabies, um, Jason Gilmore from the Waratahs. Um, you know, when I was in Brisbane, Brad Thorne, who I used to play with years ago. Um, you know, so in Australian rugby, Scott Johnson, who was the director of rugby, those guys, you know, always sort of talk about what they're doing here in Australia. Then obviously... Eddie opened up a whole new world over there in the UK from English yes. Premier League soccer coaches like Sean Dice, who's just taken over Everton. Uh, the Arsenal manager, we used to have like, yeah, every coach from every sport over there. If I look back to Australia, um, I've learned more out of the AFL than, than any other sport. Like I've been on trips over to America, to the NFL, the NBA, um, the Circus de Soleil, all name name a sport and I've I've yeah. you know tried to learn something to learn from, from it yeah. or go and meet a coach from it but the AFL I always go back to the AFL I just think they do things exceptionally well they do um, you know Michael Voss at Carlton um, you know Craig McRae at Collingwood Ken Eagley at Port Adelaide um, you know, Stewie Jew from, from Gold Coast Suns I've 
you know, had um, bits and pieces to do with all those guys, whether it's been for a week or like there was a time there where I'd go to Port Adelaide for uh, a week each year and I did that for about four or five years straight. Um, uh, I went and spent two weeks with Collingwood um, at two different occasions, like a week with two different occasions with Collingwood last year. We often have them come up to us as well, the different, you know, um, sorry, Carlton rather. We've had the Collingwood coaches up to us recently. Um, I just learn a heap out of the AFL. Um, yeah. I reckon you can go all around, all around the world and I don't think um, you would learn more than what you do with the AFL. Just how good they are with teaching what they call craft, their brilliant yes. basics. Yes. Um, how they put their programs together from belonging or um, the you know, togetherness piece. Yes. Um, how they run their meetings, you know, the learning intentions of the meetings, the use of questioning, checking for understanding, all those different types of things. They, they do it exceptionally well. And, um, yeah, oh, so I love going to the different AFL clubs. Yeah. I had an experience with Kevin Sheedy 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. Well, a bit longer than 20 years ago. Brian Smith, again. Yeah. Let's get on a plane, Hayden. You know, you know a bloke at Essendon, but let's go and meet um, Kevin Sheedy. We didn't know him. Again, he gave his time. Yeah. He said, sure, come down. I'll catch up. I'll take you out for dinner. He took us to, we walked through the Crown Casino and it was like God was in the building. Mr. Sheedy, Mr. Sheedy, people. We hit up this back table and they come and brought like a $600 bottle of wine. He's the king. I never forget what he said to me. He said, talk to anybody old because if if they die tomorrow, their information dies with them. And he said, and then what I want you to do throughout your career is share everything because you're not, you think you've got the magic, but you haven't. Yeah. So he said, it'll go full circle. He said, share everything and talk to anybody old. I I never forget that moment because first of all, he gave his time, but then that little nugget of gold is possibly the best advice I was ever given is go and talk to anybody old. That's an incredible advice. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. But yeah, AFL, again, um, I always do my own work of trying to travel the world and visit different people, like I visited yeah. you in England. I met a coach, I spent a week at Juventus Soccer Club, you would have loved this. Now, they can hardly speak English. Yeah. So the head coach, Mr. Allegri, I would call him, he says to me, what do you want, like, what can I give you now before you go home? Like, what's, I said, well, where's the magic? And at this stage, he's got Ronaldo in the team, he's got like rock stars in this team. Like police are out the front, like escorting the Met to get out of the... There's fans out the front of training, you know. And I said, well, what is it? He goes, I spend most of my time keeping people happy. And I was like, okay. He said, I've got great technical coaches, like you said, the ones that are the fundamentals yeah. and working on that for me. He goes, but most of my time is getting this place connected and keeping people happy. And then I come I come into coaching mode on Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And that was fascinating. Yeah. That, that was fascinating. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, but, okay, I, I want to keep this short. Well, it hasn't been short, but I want to... So I, I value your time. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, let's go just quick fire. Can you give a lesson to a teacher right yeah. now? They have the power to influence somebody, yeah. even with... One word they say to somebody tomorrow in a classroom may influence that kid for their life, yeah. rest of their life. They might not even know it. Let's give a lesson to a teacher. Let's give a lesson to a aspiring coach who wants to follow your footsteps. Um, lesson to a teacher would be 
um, encourage. I think one of the, the, the best things about being a kid is is you don't know your limitations. So for a teacher, don't put lim- don't put limits on 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 students. Um, and maybe it's to do with language, you know, because if you're not so good at something, it doesn't mean you're, you're always not going to be good at something, you know. So even just using something like, you know, that this is where you can grow. I just think language is important. I just hate putting limitations on kids because the best thing about being a kid is you don't know what's out there and what you can do. So um, that's what I would say to a teacher. To a coach, um, don't try and chase five rabbits. And I say that saying, um, don't try and give heaps of information to to your players. Like narrow your focus. Like um, if you try and chase five rabbits, you're going to get none, right? Because they're fast. So maybe just you know give your players one or two things to to go after in that drill or that session or in that game. Um, you know, don't have a list of you know ten or twelve things on the whiteboard because you know as I said before, if you try and chase five rabbits, you get none. Don't overcomplicate it. That's essentially what I'm saying. I mean, yeah. Speaking of the game. A message. Well, I saw that with, um, I did the assistant coach for Queensland for a few years, and obviously then I coached 15 tests with England rugby. So I think it's 21 games all up in, you know, either origin or, or international rugby. And I think that was the biggest thing I took away. Like the bigger the game, they're all big games, right? They're all in front of 80,000. And, it, the, the bigger the game, the more narrow the focus. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, I, you know, obviously keep in touch with Eddie, and he texts me. Uh, he watched a, a recent game, and he texts me. Um, we're back and forth a little bit. And the one bit of advice he had for me, we leave, we're going into our season, um, was whatever information you think you need to give the players before the start of the season, have it. So even those conversations now, you know, like, we're, we're, you know, I just thought that's fantastic advice because after the trial, sometimes you think, oh, we need to go and improve this and chase this and do this. Yeah. I just thought it was, again, you go back to wisdom. That's why he's an elite coach. It's just, yeah, it was just interesting. Whatever you think you need to give the players now, Harvard. Harvard. Yeah. Well, there's Good a advice. message. Yeah. So we're basically giving Eddie's advice to the listeners without getting Eddie on the show. Eddie, yeah. you're next. Exactly. Um, mate, thanks so much. Like, first of all, thanks for. You know, you got pretty deep there about some stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um, a pleasure. Thanks for sharing lessons for people and experiences and just chat. Like, yeah. I found myself chatting about my stuff, which is meant to be about you, yeah. but, it, but it was like, I just love chatting. Yeah, no, it's and great, you, man. And as good. I said, like, if, if there's, um, you know, one thing that the listeners or the viewers can take away, then, then we've had a, we've had a, a good day. So a good. good. Conversation. So good. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Wayne. Cheers, and mate. all the best. Good man. Thanks, mate. I appreciate it.